when it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Hey everyone, welcome to, I guess I, this isn't, hmm, I don't have an intro for this, what's up gamers, uh, hello, what's up, I don't know, we're gonna have to figure that out as we go along, basic, long story short, uh, we're gonna try some new things with the Monday episode of Waypoint Radio, um, we have done things like waypoints, uh, we have, uh, done, uh, we haven't really done interviews. I want to say we, we've done interviews, but because we've been talking about doing things like interviews as a way of varying up uh, what we're doing on, on the Monday show. We'll still occasionally talk about games, but we're, what we have found is that originally when I pitched Waypoint Radio as a podcast uh, nearly six years ago uh, now, it was supposed to be, what if we did two one-hour podcasts a week about video games? And it, it turned into two two to two and a half hour podcasts about video games. And we found that to be kind of unsustainable. Um, and so as a way of uh, trying uh, to, uh, I don't know, just find different things to talk about, different conversations to have. We know so many people, there's so many things we're interested in. There's so many things that we don't know that much about. Um, my thought was, why don't we start doing uh, interviews with various folks? Sometimes it'll be me, sometimes it'll be me, Rob, Ren, Kato, like it'll be, it'll kind of run the gamut of uh, how exactly we're going to approach those. And so uh, make sure and send on uh, your feedback about how you feel about it. But uh, today, um, I'm going to, I'm going to, before I introduce my guest, I got, I, I, I've been tweeting, I've been reporting a little bit of these, this whole NFT thing. We've talked about NFTs crypto on, on the podcast. Um, and uh, I got a DM in response to this, uh, guess you are okay with me reading the DM that you sent out to me originally. Okay, they've yeah, nodded. They've nodded. They're not. Okay, good. Uh, uh, I loathe NFTs, crypto, all things blockchain, and personally own about twenty thousand dollars worth of Crown Store ghost skins that could obviously be bought, sold on the C market, used in game, and do in fact appreciate value in a meaningful market-driven way. Um, I found that to be endlessly fascinating, which meant uh, I wanted to invite. Um, Dimitri, Dimitri, I, I you, now you've spooked me. Now, like I was like, I, I've got it. I should have, I should have written down how to pronounce your last name after you, after you kindly corrected me. So I'm not gonna say it because I'm just gonna say it wrong. So how do, how do I pronounce your last name again? Pascaluta. Pascaluta. Okay. Uh, I'll leave it up to Kado whether he wants to cleverly edit that together or he wants to keep my shame <laughs> in the podcast recording, but. I, you are a writer and host over at The Score um, covering, is it primarily Counter-Strike? Is it esports more generally? I cover esports generally. Um, Counter-Strike just happens to be kind of my main beat, I guess you could say. Um, yeah. 
Uh, and uh, so there are lots of interesting angles we could take in talking about that, how you got into esports. I see in your bio saying you uh, left a PhD to write about <laughs> Counter-Strike. I'm curious how that happened. But before we get there, I I, I brazenly cut you off because I'd noticed when I, I pulled up your your Twitter account that uh, Will Smith, uh, formerly of, of Tested, uh, I forget the studio that he's at uh, now, working on that uh, that that uh, that new shooter. Um, I will I will look that up so I can properly plug it. So if Will ever listens to this, he can not be mad at me. Um, but you had mentioned that you were a fan of Whiskey Media, the original parent company of of Giant Bomb before they bought by CBS, and that uh, us talking on a, a podcast was uh, weirding you out. And so I want I wanted to I wanted to ask why. It's weird because I started listening to Giant Bomb pre your time there. Started listening right. right when it was formed, right? Like whatever it was, like oh, you know, two thousand eight or whatever. And then was a very, 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 very serious, devoted listener for many years uh, through your time there, probably until about. Did you also highly dislike me when I first started there? <laughs> I, sw- I swear I'm not just saying this. No, no, I did not. Um, in fact, I was very sad when you when you left. Um, but this is one of those like this is one of those very weird like like it's I think it's fair to say that like it's it's a, a big inspiration for me. Like like coming up, growing up, like being in high school and and, and early university, like you know listening to tons and tons of whiskey, and then of course later as Giant Bomber bought by CBS. Like um, one of the reasons I got into Probably fair to say, uh, like games writing, whatever. Even though I do kind of a different weird species of that. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, just a it's a weird <laughs> being on a podcast with Patrick Klefik is like surreal. It's surreal. Yeah. Uh, well, there's like a, a when uh, Renata Price, who's the uh, the uh, producer, uh, writer, editor, who has just joined us over at Waypoint um, in a Waypoint After Dark, a Waypoint Plus uh, podcast that will have gone up by the time people are listening to this. Uh, she had mentioned like one of her primary inspirations um, to start writing was Austin Walker. Um, and she started reading him uh, when she was 14 years old because she's only <laughs> 21 now. And it was just like time, time is a time time is a bizarre concept that I, I, I physically, I don't really grapple with because I still look as though I am 16 or 17 years old, but I swear time does keep progressing. Um, even if my, even if the people at the liquor store don't acknowledge uh, that it's that it's happening, um, I, before we get into all the NFTs and 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 things like that, and 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 the uh, mini empire you have in Counter Strike skins, I am I am curious as someone that got into writing early, uh, it sounds like you did as well. Like, how, okay, you were at University U of T is at University of Texas, or no, no, Toronto, you're in you're Toronto. Toronto. I should send it because. You're in Canada. It would be funny if you're funnier if you're in University of Texas. But how how does one go from going to school uh, for uh, it looks like an English degree to saying fuck it, I like I'm gonna I'm gonna jump on the esports and uh, make that a make that a career. Well, I was uh, pursuing an English degree um, in uh, late medieval English literature. That was my. That was my beat. That you know, I see uh, direct. I see a, a career path like straight out of there. You know, like the job. The jobs are just lining up. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I just I'd always been a big gamer, and I'd always specifically been a uh, all too dreaded Dota fan. Very big <laughs> Dota player, and 
I was really serious about Dota esports for a long time. I just really loved it. I just loved enjoying it, loved watching it. And I did, I did my bachelor's in English. I did my master's. And then I was like two or so years into a PhD. And I never really take any breaks. Like I just never taken a year off. I'd never done a gap year. I'd never done it. Cause I just so didn't like, feel let's, like let's just it. do a Let's just do a decade yeah. of school. And that seems fine. Yes. And uh, as it turns out, I never really wanted an academic job, so I, I kind of knew going into it that I was just doing it for myself. I was just doing it because I love to learn. I love to read. Um, unfortunately, and we won't get into this, obviously, but unfortunately, uh, increasingly be getting a PhD in like literally anything these days is very, very, very academically geared. Like it's professionally geared because, you know, you want to compete for academic jobs. So PhDs get longer and there's more signposts you have to pass through. And turns out that doing a PhD kind of like for yourself uh, especially in late medieval English literature at the University of Toronto, is uh, is is not very sustainable. It's uh, the PhD alone is like on average five or six years. That's not including masters. Ooh. That's not including MBA. So about two years in, I saw they had a job opening. The score is located in uh, Score Esports is in Toronto. In fact, the score is in Toronto, and I they had an opening for a writer, and I was like, screw it. Sent in an application, got an interview, uh, and then I just deferred. And then I just never went back. And here I am writing about e-gaming for, <laughs> for a living. Well, so had you had experience, you know, you said you were into esports and, you know, sort of Dota specifically had like you had any practice and like the more formal parts of like writing about it, like, you know, summarizing events, like reporting on, on the scene um, or was that I'm going to I got this. I'm going to figure that out as I go along now that I've got this this gig i'm just curious like how how you end up in that spot i had written a few like volunteer articles around the international for gosu gamers um which for those who've been following like dota or cs for a long time will will, will know but the answer the short answer to your question is no literally none at all which is one of the reasons <laughs> why it was such a weird pivot i kind of just was showed up with a resume one day and was like you know can i can i do this please and and they were like sure and uh, they were they were kind of skeptical at first because they were like, "Wait, you're telling me you write like your only writing experience is like PhD PhD level <laughs> academia?" And I was like, "Yeah." And they're like, "And you're gonna write like journalistic articles for like 16 year olds who want it?" And I was like, "Yeah." And they're like, "All right, well, we'll <laughs> give almost, you a and shot." Like, <laughs> and, I, and almost I was like, someone was just bemused at the the notion that you would att attempt to this. It's like, look. What's the worst case scenario? Like he'll just flame out on his own, not want to do this. We'll all have a laugh over beers and we can all just move on. Uh, and instead, how long have you been there? This is now going into my fourth year. So it's been about three years and change, like almost three and a half years. Okay. So if it's a bit, it's a bit, it's an extremely long bit at this yeah. point that you, that you continue yeah. to play out. <laughs> my, my editor later told me a long time after, you know, that uh, when they had told him that that I was the one they had hired. Like, in the way. like I said, the candidate they'd settled with, he was just like, Oh no. <laughs> like, why? <laughs> yeah. um, okay. Well, the, the reason uh, other than sort of a shared um, uh, disinterest in NFTs and yet uh, unable to shake their presence because of the, um, the industries we cover, I guess before I end a question about Counter-Strike, how many on an, on average would you uh, estimate like me, how many NFT related emails do you get uh, before you've like sat down? I don't know how you handle how we handle inboxes is like a very controversial question at Waypoint. I'm like a very much I go through all my email, archive everything. It's very organized, not quite inbox zero, but like I strive in that direction. Other people 
you know, they lived the 32,000 unread email life. But that aside, uh, how many NFT emails do you have to just like delete or ignore on a given morning? So many, man. It's it's just like, and the problem is it feels like they're spawning like rabbits. You know what I mean? Like it's <laughs> it was like one or two and then like three or four. And now it's like the clusters are getting bigger and bigger. And it's just like, it's not showing. I mean, it's, I mean, we can get into this later. It's kind of sh- maybe showing signs of slowing down a little bit. Sometimes mm-hmm. I think it is. Sometimes I go back on that, but a lot, <laughs> suffice it to say. Yeah. Yeah. And, and for me, like for a while there, I was, um, it, like it was kind of working. It was like the more I reported on NFTs, then that was clearly getting me on lists because I would get these emails at the like the, I mean, all these emails are almost always forms that are fit, you know, and they're just swapping in the name and the email and yada yada to make it seem personalized. But you know, I, I there'd be like one that I'm sure was part of like some sort of drop down form that can choose how should this email open for this person? It's like, uh, we've seen that you've done some reporting on NFTs. And so we thought you'd be, it's like, that's true. But if you'd read that coverage, I don't think this is the pitch you would be giving me. Um, because all, all you're doing here is just finding someone that vaguely could be interested in NFT press release. Even if it's all beyond it being gobbledygook, it's sort of like, I know I would not, I do not care what this email has to say. And I could not put it into an art. I can't quite do it as spam. Cause I guess in theory, maybe a different one would be <laughs> applicable later, but it is going to get archived or deleted as soon as possible. Yeah. Same thing happens on Twitter. Like, I think I tweet, I try not to engage like outwardly with it. Cause like, I just don't have the mental energy, but like, you know, I'll tweet something like, you know, I'm getting pretty close to like adding NFT to my muted words on Twitter. And then like a, a day later, I'll get a DM from somebody being like, you might be interested in my NFT collection. And I'm just like, ah, I, this ain't it, chief. I don't, I don't think, I know you searched the word and I know this came up. My tweet came up and I, I don't think you actually read it. Like, yeah. <sighs> And so what I thought was interesting, the reason I wanted to chat with you was because when we've had conversations about NFTs in the past and sort of the absurd, like, you know, one of the base level, even putting aside the energy consumption, climate change, and all these legitimate arguments for why at this moment in time, the blockchain and crypto uh, have all sorts of uh, big problems, is that especially in video games, it seems exceptionally silly because the notion of rarefied uh, 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 artificial scarcity for the sake of creating a marketplace in which people can buy and sell things has already been accomplished in many different forms. And if you wanted to point to one that has, you know, involves real world transactions where people have built whole careers, jobs out of, you look no further than the Steam marketplace, whether you're talking about, um, you know, uh, Team Fortress 2 hats or, uh, you know, different things that artists can create for for Dota. Or uh, also, you know, I think maybe the last time people have like CSGO uh, skins uh, for people that don't pay attention necessarily to the day ins and day outs of Counter-Strike um, is like whenever there's someone caught like in like the gambling scandals that have occurred like over the years. I feel like that's the last time it sort of like floated up into um, uh, something that I was seeing sort of in my timeline and was paying attention to. But uh, that's like that idea that like, hey, this can already be done if you want to have artificial scarcity and create an economy, you you can do it. And so when you messaged me and said that you already had sort of like invested and have like actual money, thousands of dollars in this economy, I guess, tell me how you get there. Like, where, where do, like obviously your interest in Counter-Strike leads you to then to the associated marketplace, but 
where do we go from um I like to I like the map dust to uh I I I you know I have a down payment for a house equivalent in uh Counter Strike skins. It's a, it's a great question and it's one of the reasons why I thought it would be interesting to do this is because I feel like there are a lot as a general gamer but also someone who is, you know, really into esports and really into Counter Strike I feel like there's probably a lot of, you know, general gamers out there who mm-hmm. are probably not as aware of how of this sort of really interesting organic story, this glow up that CSGO and specifically CSGO Cosmetics has kind of undergone at right around, like in the last two years, basically since COVID, right as a, around the time that <laughs> NFTs have been started to get big. And it's like almost kismet. It's like really funny, right? So how's that been for me? Well, I'm just, I really love Valve games. I really love Dota. I really love Counter-Strike. I really love skins. It's just like a guilty pleasure of mine. I just like skins and I used to buy skins because I liked them. And you'd spend tens, maybe, like maybe like hundreds of dollars on a skin. And if you were like really crazy, you could dish out like, you know, a thousand bucks or something or like something really rare, right? And like this is not unheard of for people who are aware of like TF2 hats and people who are aware, you know, back in like 2014, 2015 CSGO skins. What is kind of interesting uh, is that basically... Right now, since COVID, like since quarantine, uh, essentially, CSGO, if you look at the Steam charts, you can see CSGO is actually more popular now than it has ever been in, in the decade, near decade. I mean, I guess this year is the 10th year, 10th anniversary of CSGO. Which, which um, seems to track with a lot of what's been happening, like just as, you know, games in general have been like such a wild, you know, I, I guess unexpected or expected in retrospect. But, you know, who could have known the profound effects of that in which games have just become... Like they were already popular and now it is just like everything has gotten this boost as a result of, uh, I mean, I feel, I feel like every week I'm reading that, you know, Steam like broke a concurrent count again, which is like, how is this possible? And it's like, you know, even as things are like, quote unquote, opening up and people could do more if they wanted, uh, they're still choosing to uh, be complete sickos and uh, uh, hang around in Steam. Yeah. And that's, I'm one of those sickos. I'm one of those, like, <laughs> I'm, I'm one of those people who just, you know, I play a lot of games, but I just can't stop playing Counter-Strike. And there's obviously people like that. Who just, you know, it's, it's, it's been playing it since I was in middle school. And I just like from 1.6 to source to go, I just can't stop. And what's kind of funny. And I, I think it is like funny is that there's sort of this like fantasy that like NFTs like promise in a sense, right? Like, you know, get in now, limited availability, rarity, like it's yours, you own it. And if you hold on to it, it's only going to go up in value. Like it's right. Like, and (laughs) what's, what's again, funny is that if you actually look and maybe the best way to tell the story is to tell the story in like the form of one skin, like literally just one thing. Right. Okay. So like the first CSGO, first CSGO major that had stickers was 2014, right? Famously, there's a Katowice major in Poland. And Valve was like, hey, wouldn't it be cool if we made like a limited run of stickers with like a team's logo on it and it had the major name and it says Katowice 14 and there's like, you know, holographic ones and there's like regular ones. And like you paid like something like 99 cents to o- open a sticker capsule back in 2014. And these stickers were worth like cents on the dollar. You know what I mean? If you got <laughs> how, one, it was- how, how naive we were back yes. in 2014. Yeah, so they, were, they, were, they were worth like, you know, you paid 99 cents to open one, you got like a regular one that you didn't like, or you're like, ah, okay, I'll sell it on the Steam market for like 70 cents or something. And if I got a hollow one, it's like, oh, maybe I can sell this one for like $1.50 or something, right? Now, that was, those, that was at a time in 2014 when there weren't a ton of people playing Counter-Strike. It was still a really new game. It hadn't really blown up. Uh, the kind of big esports boom that happened in 2015 with with League, with 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 uh, Dota, with with CS kind of came after. So they only ran those stickers for that major. So one of those stickers back then could cost you like 99 cents, right? Well, there's one 
sticker in particular from that set. They're all worth a lot now, but one in particular from a team who was famously banned for match fixing. Uh, team's called iBuyPower. And the iBuyPower Hollow is a sticker that you could get for 99 cents back, like whatever it was, eight years ago now, right? One of those stickers, if you have one of those in your inventory, the price changes every day, but like at least 50 grand. What? At least. Yeah. So if you have like uh, one really rare weapon skin with yeah. four of these hollow stickers applied <laughs> on it, you're you're legitimately talking like, in some cases, the skins are priceless. Like you're talking like these these skins have been bought and sold for amounts that would range from like $250,000 to $500,000 to like, it's, it's just an astronomical astronomical amount of money but bare minimum you're looking at roughly 50 you know even yes you know yeah, yeah, yeah. taking aside the highs and lows of yes. uh speculative assets yeah now why is this well there's a variety of reasons we don't have to delve into it too much but it's interesting the story is that basically somewhere along the way csgo started to get really big and that audience who was who was interested in the game in you know 2014 watching the counterfeits of major got bigger and bigger and bigger somewhere along the way i think people about 2018 or so, CSGO got really big in China. And that was kind of the tipping point because you had this supply of skins, you know, dragon lores and stickers, which like cattle 14s, which mean a lot to people who play CSGO don't mean a ton to those who don't play CSGO, but rare skins, skins that there's only like a couple of thousand in existence. When the player base is like a couple of hundred thousand people, it's like, oh, they're rare. And they can sell one for like $2,000, even maybe $3,000. When that player base starts to really grow and you have players in China with tons of disposable income who want to buy all the coolest skins because they want to look the coolest server. The price doesn't just start raising, like rising. It starts like skyrocketing, like really, really, really high, right? So a Dragon Lore that would have run you, you know, $10,000 even, some crazy rare souvenir Dragon Lore, amazing thing, back, you know, ten like 2014 or so, 2015, will run you upwards of $100,000, $150,000 now. You can make crazy tenfold insane adjustments. And of course, they're used to gamble. They're used to trade, right? There's, I mean, the, the, the world of skins in CSGO is very dark. There's tons <laughs> of scams, but it's dark for different reasons. It's dark for reasons that have nothing to do with, with the world of, you know, NFT or, or blockchain, right? Um, so, yeah, it's, uh, it's really interesting because I, as someone who, I mean, I DM'd you because I saw this announcement that ESL had made. It was a very large esports organizer around these like you know team themed gloves for counter-strike skins right like hey buy an nft of like you know a glove with like a you know an astralis logo on it or like a team liquid logo on it right and like you'll own the nft and i remember seeing this and i'm thinking to myself like you can actually buy skins in counter-strike for your gloves <laughs> and they're worth like hundreds <laughs> if not thousands of dollars and, like you can use them in the server and this and, isn't right? this wasn't announced but it was like hey we're working in cooperation with Valve, I mean, clearly that couldn't happen because Valve has already come out and said, uh, yes. you know, that they don't they kind of morally are against uh, these NFT games, at least in the, the form that they are. They're not going to allow them on Steam, which, of course, has its own layer of irony, because, like, of course, they would say that they have their own proprietary NFT infrastructure. Why? <laughs> what interest would they ever have in uh, allowing that stuff to escape like their software like they? Yes. They have their own economy. Allowing you to escape that economy would just dilute their own economy and eat into the profits they're making already on all of these sales. 
Yes. Like you, you spend hundreds, if not thousands of dollars opening cases in CSGO, <laughs> which have a very low drop rate. For those who know, they know it's like there's like a 0.04% chance of getting. It's like, just not going to happen. It's not going to happen. It's literally you're literally gambling. It's like going to the Vegas and throwing it all on red and just like shrugging and, and like being mentally prepared to lose the money and just doing it for the fun of it. And yeah. if you actually strike something, it's just like, holy shit. Right. Um, but like you're going to pay Valve all this money to open cases. And then when you finally do open something rare, you go to the Steam market and you sell it. And Valve already then takes another cut of what you've just yeah. sold on the Steam market. And it's there. so no, you're absolutely right. Like, yes, they have essentially their own proprietary NFT. It's not a bad way of putting it at all. Um, and Valve, they didn't, they worked in conjunction with the teams, like Team, the Team Liquids, the Astralis, the, the esports orgs, which is, uh, makes sense. Like, that's something else we can, we can kind of get into. It's uh, one of the reasons why NFTs, I think, and crypto are kind of, succeeding in esports in particular is because uh they are a really really promising revenue stream for like tournament organizers and esports orgs who obviously unlike riot games unlike ubisoft unlike valve don't own the ip they don't make money off of they things circle, like skins. they circle around it like they circle around point, yeah. it yeah they're brought in sometimes and stuff like that but you know if tos can get you know like tsm the esports org, right? Put mm-hmm. a TSM FTX, they put FTX in their name, right? The coin exchange or whatever. And I think the deal was something like a hundred million dollars or something crazy, right? To change their name. Obviously, if you're TSM, I can understand why if someone, if a, if some crypto site comes to you and says, hey, I'll pay you a hundred million dollars to change your name, right? Like, I think know, I like, might do that. I know, I know that, uh, <laughs> Maybe I'd be participating and, uh, but I think people would understand. I think if I said, look, I'm going to take this Patrick Klepik FTX like is is that's we're changing the game. But also I, I'm going to find some good ways to use this money. Just I would sh- chill. Just chill. Let yeah. me take this check. <laughs> Look, I get it. I do. Like, I'd be stupid if I said that, you know what I mean? You build an esports org that six years ago was like, you know, a, a, a roster you strung together to try to compete in you know, in a tournament and then fast forward six to eight years and it's this big org and some site comes along and says, hey, we'll pay you a hundred million dollars or whatever the actual. Yeah. A lot of money. Was. I mean, there's a lot of money. You, right? you could probably make up any number in like sort of like crypto uh, sort of like promotional, like buying things and like every number would make sense, even if it's like yeah. not the, the actual uh, number, yeah. like the amount of money being poured into this on a daily basis is you know, it, it, it unfathomable to, uh, <laughs> to, to, to normal people like us. Yeah. It gets into the, like the Dr. Evil, like a hundred yeah. kajillion, yes. bajillion dollars. And if you told me that, I'd believe you. I'd be like, yeah, sure. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Checks out. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. I 
would have to imagine something that's happening in your space um, and why you're seeing uh, different clans and organizations glom on. You can correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like we're seeing it's also why NFTs in celebrity cult, like like Hollywood sort of like culture have taken off in which like NFTs are becoming very popular with uh, notable figures because like that's a way of like a top down way of you know, it's just like selling, you know, merch, you know, like it's, it, it is a way of selling part of an association with a brand. Brands these days are more people than companies. And so like, it's not shocking that like the representatives of an organization or a clan would thus then be interested in NFTs because that's just, well, look, we know that uh, the fans of these people are going to like, they, they will, you know, to some degree, you know, I, I've been a fan of many things. Like uh, I've irrationally bought all sorts of stuff um, just because I want to be associated and have things related to whatever it is, whether it's a band or, you know, uh, uh, you know, my favorite esports player. Um, it's like all that stuff seems to, to like help boost a lot of what is probably happening in and around what you cover. Absolutely. And I think that's one of the reasons why there has been such a because all of the the outlash, like all of the backlash, rather, that like you're seeing around, you know, game developers, right? Like you see, we see it on Twitter every day. I see you tweeting about it. I see like you go into the comments of like any one of these, you know what I mean, posts for some game dev, yeah. right? It's just like NFTs, the future. And you just look at the comments, right? Like that's happening in a lot of cases when esports orgs, you know, do a similar announcement because people say like you're they view it as, you know, you're trying to scam your your player base. I'm not saying that's what they're doing. I'm just saying that's like, that's the perception, right? Yeah. It's like, Hey, I, I've been a loyal, you know, so whoever or a team like whatever, right. For so many years, like, I, you know, that I'm a loyal fan, you know, that I buy your t-shirts, you know, that I love and I buy your skins in game or I support you monetarily. And now you're like trying to shill like this, you know, th- and there's a lot of like, right. Um, suspicion, you know what I mean? Around, yeah. Yeah, and I think you're see- we're seeing it. We're seeing esports orgs be very skillful now about how they, if and how they get into NFTs, um, if they so choose. Like a good example would be, I think this was even last week, 100 Thieves, the organization owned, uh, or not owned, but run by Nadeshot, right? It's the face of that org. Um, they did an NFT in celebration of their League of Legends LCS championship, North America championship win. It's a free NFT. Don't pay for it. It's carbon friendly. And they basically just put it out there and they said, like, if you want it, here it is. Just just take it. You know, we're not charging you for it. It's you, you can rest assured that there's no. And like you can see that they tried to do like a very like sterilized, like really like okay, like uh-huh. softly push it out. Like what we you know, we checked all the boxes like we didn't do we anything would wrong. still right? like to cash this check that I've got in my right hand. <laughs> yeah. um, but like if I say carbon. Now we can't say carbon neutral that because that would not be true, but carbon friendly. Well, that just sounds delightful. Who wouldn't want to be carbon friendly? (laughs) Yeah, I believe the announcement said it was the same carbon footprint as sending two emails, which I, I don't have any reason to doubt. But it's it's they are the only one I've seen so far who like have been clearly very PR conscious Mm -hmm. about, you know, Hey, look, we might be interested. I'm, and they didn't say this explicitly, but like, you know, like, hey, we, the implication obviously is like, we might be interested in charging you for an NFT down the line or we may be interested, but, but for the first offering, like this one's free <laughs> to get you, you in go, the door, get you in the door. See, we mean well, we mean well, right? Maybe but, you could sell this one later and then buy another one yeah, you can, and it, climb you, the, cli- no, it's not quite a pyramid, but like, you know, it's, you know, you could cl- uh, think of it as like a ladder, uh, 
uh, a financial ladder that you could be climbing <laughs> with us. Yeah, I was interested. It was interesting to see because I could tell that they really tried to like so, they really tried to shave all the edges, you know, the sharp edges off the right. off the table and be. And I'm not saying they didn't. To be honest, I'm not even saying they weren't successful in doing that. It's just that. I, I chuckled to myself because I was like, you can see now that like, you know, these orgs are starting to become just they're seeing what's happening to developers. They're seeing what's happening to CEOs and they're realizing that if you're utterly tone deaf and you do decide to dip your toe into this thing, you're just going to get rinsed <laughs> by headlines and by comments on Twitter. Right. Like you're just going to get taken to the cleaners. And it seems like some people don't want that. It seems like others are oblivious to it and get rinsed every day. And it's kind of surprising at this point. Um, that it still happens, but yeah, I mean, I think you have to have to a certain degree, uh, you have folks that either just want to cash the check or like they believe in the tech and they're just going to like, Oh, you know, you saw yeah. today, uh, or not today, but like recently, like the head of take two who said he was very interested in like the future of NFTs, but said, well, look, yeah, a lot of what's happening is kind of like weird speculative bubble stuff, but a lot of technologies are kind of crummy when they're announced and then turn into something interesting, which, you know, in the grand scheme of things, I, I, I think like it, it, blockchain, like crypto, something that isn't going away. Um, that doesn't necessarily mean that I think it is like a necessary addition to, to video games, but, um, you know, I'm, I'm at least open to, to the idea that there could be a, like a more interesting application of it going forward. Um, but, uh, and I think that's where you have like folks being like wanting to signal to sort of like investor shareholders like this NFT stuff is really big right now. Could you just let us know that you're looking into it? And like that's a way of saying like, yes, we're looking into it without, you know, fully committing like a Ubisoft and being, you know, d- doing interviews after nobody cares for your Ghost Recon Breakpoint NFTs. And like, well, the players just don't understand how good this is for them. And it's like, I don't know if that's. I don't know if that's the pitch that I don't think that's going to get people to come around is to say, you just don't get how cool this um, uh, one, two, three, four uh, numbering that's been attached to an AK is, which is, which is, I found that part interesting because, um, and this gets back to your, you know, your history with Counter-Strike and like, you know, pointing out how the economy there has taken off, especially during COVID is that when I did the story about Ghost Recon uh, Breakpoint, uh, uh, folks would track down the NFTs or, and they did this, they did a similar thing where Ubisoft just kind of gave a bunch away and said, okay, and then we'll see what happens after. It's just kind of a first claim sort of thing. Uh, I asked like the folks that happened to acquire one of them, I guess they're holding them digits. Um, and like, did anyone notice when you played, if you even did play and if they did play, they're like, yeah, nobody noticed because there's nothing interesting or unique about what, uh, Ubisoft applied to the aesthetic of those things. It is purely, it is, it is why it's so crudely cynical because it's just, what if we just put a fucking number on it? Um, that will be unique. And based on what you're saying, it sounds like, um, there's just like a much wider gamut of, uh, both aesthetic and like reasons why people want to purchase things that may cost anywhere from, you know, pennies to hundreds of thousands of dollars in Counter-Strike. Yeah, I mean, it's just like you can, oh, they're cool. Like, I don't know how else to put it. Like, they're just, and they've been proven to be cool for, you know, 
a decade. There's the same reason that, it's the same reason the TI gets to a $40 million prize pool right through their battle pass is because people go into the battle pass. They see the cool skins. They see that they give you new animations. They're like, oh shit, I got a fiery flame head animation when I use my Q on Lena now. That's awesome. I want, I want that. I want that skin. That's a cool skin, right? And, you know, you can use it. And like in the case of Counter-Strike, you know, you get a knife. It's a whole new knife. It's a butterfly knife. It does flippy stuff when you pull it out. It has different <laughs> patterns, different colors, different wears, right? And like, yeah, it's just silly. It's just pixels, of course. But like, just so are like cool running shoes, right? Like, it's just you want to wear them in the street because they look really sick and you like the style. And, you know, and it's like, the world you live in, right? It's it, yeah. like, like, you know, that, that was what made the Ghost Recon thing funny. It's like, this game's not very popular. Like, who are you going in to brag to? And I have to imagine, I mean, you know, I'm sure there are people who buy and sell Counter-Strike assets to use a, like a cruder financial term purely as a way like I, this market is manipulable. This is just a good, I can, I can flip this, but it seems like the only reason that exists is because you also have a large player base of people who are interested in, I I would genuinely just like to look cool and I'm willing to pay X to look cool in, you know, some match. That's exactly it. Right. It's just like, people just want to, flex on the server they just want to have a sick knife they want to have sick gloves they want to have a sick op they want to look cool in front of their friends and on the match the people comment all the time on, on when you have cool skins and like they like it and like people know they're worth money so that you know like there's just a, as counter-strike got cooler and as counter-strike got bigger so did the skins it just makes sense right people were going to want to flex like that and like i just i just feel like the that it's it surprises me in a sense that like Valve man, managed to accomplish this not just through manufactured rarity which you're right they did right like I mentioned earlier you know unboxing a knife in CS:GO is no easy feat like you have to uh, spend you know unbox hundreds of cases at roughly three dollars a case to unbox one even then there's <laughs> it's there's no guarantee it's going to be a nice <laughs> knife right? right 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 so you know if you unbox like an emerald butterfly knife. With stat track, I mean that's like a fourteen thousand dollar knife because it takes potentially fourteen thousand dollars <laughs> worth of opening cases to get one, right? So, um, and the and the thing that's proven too, this is the real. I mean, if you're just looking at this from a hard nosed economic standpoint, the thing that really is the tried and tested like separation is that it has been proven time and time again that that this market is real and that people are willing to pay for it, right? Like there is the, the largest CS:GO skin marketplace in the world is not the Steam market. The Steam market is it is it's 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 a Chinese website called Buff One Six Three, and it's a total third party has nothing to do with Valve. Like you just trade your skins on that website between individual traders, and like you know all of the real world values uh, are, are are determined from that site. It's like the stock exchange of, of CS:GO skins. If you want to, oh, so, what, so, worth, so what you might see like represented an equivalent item on the steam marketplace is not actually what it's worth. I need to go to this other place to actually understand what I'm paying for. Cause I'm, I'm not actually going to buy and sell through steam that is going to happen separately in this other marketplace. Yeah. Because if you like, let's put it this way. If you unbox like a $10 skin, right? Yeah. You can sell it on steam and like, it'll be worth 10 bucks on steam and sure. Like that's fine. But when you're talking about like really, really, really like rare stuff, like stuff that is like, I mean, Steam has a cap. You can only spend, I forget what the actual amount is because I feel like they've changed it, but it's like $2,500 or something. I think they raised it a couple of years ago. You, you, oh. you actually can't, yeah, you can't list an item for more than like 2,500 bucks. Oh, so in Steam. some ways they've, they've cre- like, like, a bo- you know, and, well, any economy can be manipulated, but they've sort of said, well, hey, within, within the parent, like the space yeah. that we explicitly control, we're not going to allow the bubble to get past that but the the bubble finds a way (laughs) well so the bubble found a way right because now you have skins and if you go and you can google these headlines you can see them right there are skins you know 
in China, right, like an M4 Statrack Howl with like four iBuy power stickers can sell for half a million dollars. But if you're going to sell a CSGO skin for half a million dollars, like you're, you're meeting that dude with a briefcase in like a bank. You know what I mean? Like you're not using you're not using the steam market. Right. Like um, and it has it's just it's a, a massive third party ecosystem has developed around CSGO skins that is also really dark. And can be very bad. And a lot of the headlines you're seeing about gambling scandals and like, you know, really messed up like case opening, like totally. It's there's a reason why developers like Riot uh, make it so that you can't trade skins in games like League and Valorant because they looked at CSGO and they looked at Valve and they were like, oh, wow, Valve is getting class 16 class action lawsuits because of underage gambling. Maybe we should just not make these skins tradable. They're like, yeah, let's just not make the skins tradable. Like, that's fine. But as Valve learned, once you've pulled the rabbit out of the hat, you you know, it's hard to put back in. Plus, there's a lot of financial incentive for them to not put it. I was going to say, certainly... it, it, the public line could be, I mean, we we uh, strongly, you know, we've put a, you know, $2,500 cap within the Steam marketplace. We strongly condemn these outside websites that are leading to this. But also, mm, you know, like that's, that is helping their bottom line, even if the public image, uh, you know, uh, carries a different tone so that, you know, the local, <laughs> uh, the, the regulators, uh, and, you know, maybe <laughs> don't, don't treat them the way they might, maybe should be treated. Yeah, it's uh, it's just it's just an interesting contrast, especially, like I said, in terms of timing. It's really funny to me that like, you know, in 2020, in 2020, for instance, like CSGO skins underwent a very, very, very like significant boom. Um, And in early 2021, they just almost went off the Richter scale uh, in terms of their value. Like we're talking like like my inventory almost tripled in value. It was like, and I didn't do anything. Like it just, it just happened organically. It was just, I mean, that, that was going to be my, my question was like, you know, when you, when you sent me that, that, uh, that number, you know, I think it was like, you know, 20,000, 20,000 something. Um, I, that was going to be my question was like, how much of that is, uh, Dimitri, uh, you know, the, the day, the day counter-strike trader. And how much of that is Dimitri, the, I just accumulated some skins over a period of time. And then I, then all of a sudden I opened up my bank, opened up my virtual bank account and went, Oh no, they're worth a lot more now. It's basically the latter. I certainly am an enthusiast. I like to, you know, and trade them and I like to obviously, but, uh, the people that I know who are serious, like I have a friend who actually trades CSGO skins for a living and he's somewhat of a uh, reputed trader. Like he's very well known. I mean, he makes a, really substantial amount of money. Um, most of them all do. I will say that his inventory, like just his inventory on any given day, you, and this is public, you can see this on, on like CSGO exchange, is worth like, in, in, you know, three hundred fifty dollars to $500,000. Like it, it fluctuates depending on, you know, what he's holding on. But like, so I'm, I'm, I'm small fry. Like I am actually small fry. Uh, I, my story is just, I've been playing CS for a long time. I've been playing Dota for a long time. And so I had skins and I told you, like I said, I liked skins way back before they were really expensive. So I accumulated like a fair number of them. And they're earlier ones. And that's the whole point, right? Like, you know, if you uh, bought, you know, no one would have thought that if I boxed up a copy of Super Mario Brothers, uh, when it came out that that was going to be worth hundreds of thousands, millions of dollars. But that's the the nature of time and nostalgia um, that all that all expands <laughs> the, the great the great empire of of older things that you can't have. And I think this ties into kind of the not to get too heady about it. But like I think this kind of ties into like the the central kind of interesting question about like and it's NFTs or something like this. Like the reason this works with Counter-Strike skins is like the same reason it works with like a sealed copy. Is that it's 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 an accident. 
Like it just kind of happened. It just kind of happened because this thing got bigger than its britches. It got so many people wanted to start playing it. The supply was really limited and the things were cool and people were just like, well, now everybody wants one, right? The thing that's happening with NFTs now is there's this massive boom where you can't swing a dead cat in a room without hitting 17,000 <laughs> NFT projects. And like surely not all of these projects are going to be like worth something one day because just the, sh- the, the, the like the... um you know, like the influx into the market is just like too massive, right? Whereas the reason CSGO skins worth as much is because actually there's too many players. Like there aren't enough skins to go around in a sense. So it really, like for, at least in terms of the rare ones, the, the ones that people really want, the ones right. they want to flex, right? Um, yeah, like it just, and then the cooler they become, the more sought after they become. It's like with anything, right? Um, like, you know, the first time, like the off-white Jordan 1 or whatever, if you know anything about sneakers yeah, like yeah. came out. Yeah, right? Like it, it, as off-white Jordans got bigger, that's when the price really started to get up and there started to be more social and cultural clout around these things. And now, like in, in modern day, there's a lot of like cultural clout around like CSGO skins, right? Like having a sick inventory is kind of like having a sick sneaker collection, right? Like it's one of those things that like it's worth something. People know it's worth something. And so they they chase it all the more, right? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's sort of this like cultural thing you can't really put uh, think, I mean, look at the, you know, these goofy, you know, bored ape yacht or whatever the fuck that thing is called. Yeah, but like, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's a similar thing, right? Like who assigned uh, value to that? The culture did. Uh, I, I think it's all extremely stupid. But yeah. um, frankly, the same could be said for, you know, a, you know, a Counter-Strike skin as well. It's like, but the people care and thus people consider it value. And so... It is worth something, and that worth can then escalate as people realize they can only have so much of it. And so, uh, in that case, it's these really ugly-looking ape cartoons that people have ascribed value to. I, you know, it's there's so, there's a lot more cynicism behind that one, I think, than the more organic uh, sort of thing that has happened with things like Counter Strike. But it's still the same sort of thing. Like, how do you capture lightning in a bottle? Like, I don't know, produce lightning, and uh, like that's sort of what. You know, essentially Valve was playing with a marketplace just because that's what Valve does is experiment with different kind of like biz models and things like that. But, you know, I, I sincerely doubt that when they when they started, you know, doing skins and Counter-Strike, they had any sense it was going to go in the direction that it did. And that's what makes the explosion of all this stuff, like you said, so extraordinarily silly because it's a lot of presumption of that there will be an audience that cares because every announcement starts with, well, we know you care and we know there's an audience. And it's like, well, there is, but like it's an audience in in search of like the latest speculative asset that they can maybe jump on first and yeah. <laughs> flip the hot potato to someone to, to someone else uh, before they have to deal with the consequences of it, <laughs> the bottom falling out. It's like it's like all these things. It's just, it's just like, you know, all investing, right? Like what's a pump and dump and what's not? Like, right. yes, it's worth something today, but for how long? If I had told you or if you had told me or anyone told anybody eight years ago, that, you know, like a hollow sticker from that collection I told you about that was, you know, you could open for 99 cents was right. going to be worth $75,000 or whatever. You obviously rightfully would have just laughed. You would have been like, okay, you know what I mean? Like, sure, bud. You know what I mean? Like invest all, buy, you know, hoard up, uh, hoard up on, on I buy power hollows. Little did we know that any guy who did could actually be sitting on like, not just a small fortune, but like an actual fortune, right? When, uh, um, correct me I'm wrong, but the, I buy power. That's like the computer, like pre, yeah. like, like <laughs> the, like I, I just bought a new PC and I, th- I think the PC I had, I got like late in high school, but for like for college was an iBuyPower uh, machine. Like for people who don't know, it's like it's one of the, like the pre-made, you know, pre-built PCs. If you don't 
if you're like me and are too scared to open up, I can put in the graphics card and some RAM, but like at like applying like thermal paste, like I'm sorry, I am just I'm, I'm too scared. So the fact that it's a computer pre-built company whose logo is now worth so much money attached to a Counter-Strike skin. I don't know that I don't know that's like dystopia necessarily, but but it's weird. <laughs> what happened was I by power had a like very small time North American Counter-Strike team, right? And that Counter-Strike team in a match that like really didn't matter, like it was just like an NA local qualifier, right? Thing for they match fixed. They 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 were they were later like found convicted it was a big, big journalistic story, one of the biggest like in CSGO esports in history. And they were they had found to have been guilty of basically having f- uh, fixed a match for skins. Surprise, surprise! Like to get paid in skins. Mm-hmm. And what happened was that sticker from from the major attendant of their logo the, went on to live in infamy. And so it became <laughs> this like super like scandalous thing, right? Of like everybody wanted the I by Power Hollow because they knew that like that team was out and you know what I mean. The, the, right? So God. it just happened to be I by Power. Like it's just not like. And I think I've even seen like. Like, cause they sponsor like, you know, a few CSGO streamers and like, it's really funny. Cause I think I've even seen like, uh, you know, I have power, like leaning into the break sometimes like, you know, we throw away the competition. We'll fix the problem. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, right? Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it is, it, it is kind of dystopian. It's just funny. It's just like, yeah, it's just so weird. Uh, but. It is weird. Um, yeah. well, as we wrap up here, um, I don't, do you want to point people towards like, what have you been working on? Anything you're proud of? Like where, where can people check out? some of the stuff you've been up to um, lately? Uh, yeah. I mean, if me personally, you can find me on Twitter at dpascaluda. Uh, if you're interested in esports stuff, Counter-Strike, you know, League, Dota, that stuff, you can come check us out on YouTube at The Score Esports. I do things there. I write things and I am I talk in on <laughs> camera. Uh, you know, if anybody's interested, sure. Yeah, come uh, come check me out. Um, are, there, are, there also, any, are there any notable events coming up that you're looking forward to? Uh, yeah, I mean, Six Invitational is going on right now for Rainbow Six Siege. I'm a, I'm a Siege guy. Uh, it's really exciting. Extraction, really is it any good? Did you try that? I feel like I've heard no buzz about the Extraction. I, it's funny. I haven't actually had a chance to try it yet. And what's weird is that it's been really polemical. Like, I've heard some people say it's really good. And I've heard some people say it's really eh. And I don't know who to believe. I, I guess <laughs> I gotta try it. I don't know. I, don't, I gotta try it myself. But, Yeah. <laughs> Um, well, this has been a lot of fun, uh, Dimitri. I really appreciate you taking the the time to come in and uh, a chat with me about Counter Strike and NFTs and, and esports. Um, we'll have to have you back on. I mean, I, this stuff is not going away, so um, we will just have to find uh, an excuse to to get together again. Um, that's gonna be a wrap. maybe. This is a wrap on this episode of Waypoint Radio. I'm not sure if this is a part one or part two, but for Kato's sake, I am going to do. An outro, um, and then he can tell me to record a different one if we go in a different direction. Um, if you want more from Waypoint, you can go to twitter.com uh, slash Waypoint on Facebook and YouTube at Waypoint Vice. Uh, our theme music is uh, Bowen. The track is Miss You off the EP Pale Machine. Uh, you can learn more at waypoint.zone slash Bowen. Uh, you can follow me and all my work over at Patrick Klupik, and you can support Waypoint Plus by... When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. 
For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Going to waypointplus.com. Uh, that's it for the podcast. Until next time, fuck capitalism, except that we do a whole podcast talking about how the weird parts of capitalism go home.